When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another CHGO Bears After Dark. Yeah, let's go as we get ready for another Monday Night Football game. So hop on in. It's a pregame show, having some fun, bringing on some baseball people here from the CHGO family. We got my guy Cody from CHGO Cubs, Herb Lawrence, and Sean Anderson from CHGO Sox. And then, of course, the betting crew, too. It's like... You know, they're intertwined here, mm. you know, men that wear many hats. So, um, you know, excited to have you guys on. They were crazy enough to let me drive the ship tonight. You know, I'm the captain now. That's right. This could go really bad, but it could also be really great. So tune in and we'll see how this goes. But, um, yeah, it's um, it's exciting because we're Cub fans and they're Sox fans. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a house divided here. You know, I know we're going to talk bears, but I had to give you guys a little crap. You know, I feel I almost feel bad for you, but Sox fans are just so mean to us oh, that I can't on. help. Well, it's true. You guys I'm are. so sorry for you guys. No, it, I, I, it must true. be so and bad. We've gained to be Cubs ground fans. on you, so mm. I feel like a little sense of pride. How about you, Cody? <laughs> uh, well, you know, because they were supposed to win the World Series, third favorites, and now we're, we're like, I was told that. Yeah, I, you know, I. The Cubs had no expectations. I, I I I tried to will some wins into them this year. Didn't work out. I'm you know I'm I'm happy that they're playing well here at the end, giving me some optimism, made some momentum going the off season. Signed some dudes. Got top ten farm system. We'll see. Herb's furious that I even oh, I'm brought not. this up. No, I'm good. Uh, I just think that we get to still drink from the sweet sweet nectar of the BP Cup this year. Yeah, as we are the, oh, okay. as we are okay. the reigning champs. Okay. I forget as that always. trophy exists. I, yeah. I will say Cody did screw me because I asked him at the beginning of the year, like, are we going to get close to 500? Because I bet my boss every game mm-hmm. five bucks, 162 games. I bet them to win, and my boss bets them to lose. So I needed it to at least get close to 500. So I'm not paying my boss the money he pays me to lay brick for him. So not, if the Sox go 81 and 81, you owe him no money? Well, no, I, for, this is a Cubs bet. Oh, okay. So I got real scared there for a minute when it looked like we were staring 60 wins down the barrel. Yeah. So they've salvaged this where I'm only going to have to maybe pay him like 50 bucks. So That's not bad. Not bad. Not I bad. Mean, but this is a Bears show, so we're going we're gonna to get to the Bears talk. And that's, that's what I wanted to talk with you guys tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, get your Bears – you know, reaction to the loss. You know, I'll start with you, Cody, and then we'll just work it down the line. You know, um, this season didn't have a lot of expectation, but where, like, where was your mind space after starting two and one and then falling on our face <laughs> yesterday against the New York Giants? Greg, yesterday's loss was the most Bears loss. <laughs> like, every year, there's at least five or six of these. There's like, you, you either get blown out by the Packers or you, you or you, 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 you magically win against the 49ers week one, and then you'll have a dud like they did against the Giants yesterday. Like, that's – it's a tale as old as time. That's where I'm at, man. Like, I'm, tr- I'm trying – I'm listening to you every week, and you're like, I'm trying, not, I'm trying to have low expectations. Yeah. Not trying to get too up or down. 
And I tried yesterday, Greg. I tried. And for a good quarter, I did well. And then, uh, you know, they played a decent first quarter yesterday. I mean, when they when Fields slung it 51 yards to Darnell Mooney, I don't think I had celebrated as hard for the Chicago <laughs> Bears in weeks, probably since the 49ers game, right? Like, I was like, that's the guy. That's the guy. That's my quarterback. And then I don't know what happened after the offensive line decided that it didn't want to be consistent and, like, just block, give Fields some time, you know, like – and you got coaching can't can't adjust to the bootlegs like all all these different things and I'm just like what are we doing like yeah. and it's, it's kind of meet the meet the new bears yeah same as the old bears. the thing the thing that bothers me is that like I thought maybe in the beginning of the year maybe you would get like some of the best highlights from fields this year at the beginning of the year because you played the Texans and then you play the Giants but the schedule's gonna get a little bit tougher as the season goes along and like it hasn't been great, and now I'm, like, afraid to see what's going to happen against these really good teams. And, like, yeah. whether you want to be in or out on the guy, like, I, wanted, I want to, like, I, I want to believe it. It's just been hard to believe, man. Yeah. But, and that's, that's what's tough for me. Like, listen, like, I understand, like, this city, when it comes to quarterbacks, it is a tough look, man. Like, but, like, like at, at one point, when, when, is, when are we finally going to have the guy and – you know, I, I wasn't like a Mitch truther, but I was like, I never blamed him for every single thing like a lot of people did. <laughs> and like, I'm, now I see myself no, doing, benched. now now I see myself doing the same thing for Fields, though. Like, right. like there's certain plays yesterday where I'm like, well, why are we running it on third and two inside the 10? Why not let your quarterback at least try? Give him a chance, right? You know what I mean? What was the stat? Like, 19 plays inside the red zone and... One of them were passes. One of them were passes. Yeah, right. Like, like, what are we doing? Isn't this year supposed to be the year that you're supposed to develop your quarterback? And, like, it's like that's what's been bothering me the most. It's actually those types of things more so than the wins and losses. But the losses are just making them even more excruciating. I'm here to bring Bears nihilism because that's just how I operate as a fan. <laughs> I just expect the worst. Like, it sounds like you do. Like, I, I told you that the Bears were going to lose by 17 to the Packers. I bet Packers minus 16 and a half. How much did the Packers win by? 17. <laughs> In White Sox Twitter, right. we have the saying, uh, be bitter or enjoy the ride. And right now, you're just on the field ride. And as we know in Chicago, there's just a, been every different ride. It's been the Trubisky ride, the Cutler right. ride, a lot of ups and downs. You just have to wait it out. This is not going to be Fields' last year in Chicago, no matter how bad it is or how good it is. So you just have to wait and watch every single game because, yes, he didn't have those big highlights during, you know, week one through four, but maybe he'll start getting comfortable and it won't matter about the opponent because he does have that talent. I mean, there was many moments in that game where you kind of saw the talent of Justin Fields show out. Absolutely. A lot of yeah. those scrambles were impressive, and I know you got to watch out and you can't be taking a ton of hits as a quarterback, but that and gives me hope slide. that, you know, in a playoff game, if he's ever comfortable – he might actually take off and run, unlike Mitch take over never did himself, right? Because right. he's so hard to bring down. It's kind of Cam Newton esque in that regard, as far as getting out of the pocket and getting those first downs, like breaking tackles, and you know, just too big, too strong, too fast. Is a little D Rose moniker, Herb. Yeah. Where, where, where's your mind space so far with these Bears, or maybe a bigger picture look? I don't know. We're baseball guys, so usually we say, like Sean and I say, managers don't matter that much. Like coaching doesn't matter that much in baseball. Players are pretty much ready-made. 
and football managers or coaches matter the most. And where my ire a lot, uh, goes is to the coaches. They didn't get this team ready to play versus the goddamn Giants. It's Danny Dimes. Uh, undeserved nickname because <laughs> right. that man does not throw nam one of them. And he threw for, like, 71 yards yesterday. He is terrible. What he can do is run. We saw with the bootlegs. Constantly, constantly, constantly. The adjustments came way too late until the halftime where he already scored two touchdowns yep. on long runs. The risk-averse nature of the Bears at the end of the game, and I know people don't like this necessarily. They had the ball on their own 45, fourth and two, with three minutes and 15 seconds to go. They decided to punt the ball to the Giants. Now, all things worked out for their on their side where they stopped the Giants on three and out, got the ball back, right, Bayless but- Jones drops the ball. But if even the best-case scenario in the Bears scenario right there where he catches the ball, gets tackled on the 40, you just lost five yards and a minute 15. Right. So I know it wasn't you. That, so it wasn't the right move. Yeah, it's like you just regained the first down, but you you're down eight. Let's go. Right. You still had three timeouts at that time. If you do get stopped right there, you have a solid defense. A defense that's played solid in the second half has I don't think hasn't given up a touchdown in the second half. They are really good at, at halftime adjustments, but they didn't get the team ready initially. So yes, Justin Fields is playing poorly. They have horrible receivers that don't get separation. Their offensive line is garbage. Their defensive line is, is, is passable, and their secondary is playing well. But the coaches are the problem I have. And I know that Abert Flus is his first year, but damn it, it's the fourth game. You know what you have by the fourth game, and you should understand what the other team's trying to do. And they didn't adjust in-game, and they didn't adjust before the game to know that Danny Dimes is garbage, and what they should be doing is putting more pressure on the run game and stopping Saquon Barkley and let Danny Dimes go one-on-one on the outside right. with his receivers and see if he can beat you. If he can, fuck it. Tip the cap. And shocker, like, I'm doubting a Bears coaching hire. Like we said, <laughs> or it seemed like most Bears fans wanted an offensive coach. Matt Eberflus, not an offensive coach. Right. And I like his vibe. I like the whole hits mentality he seems like a good football coach and I think he would do great in college right like this guys would buy into it really doesn't matter the talent as long as you guys have a a unit playing together but what you need to do is develop talent right now and I don't see Luke Getze developing Justin Fields I don't see Matt Eberflus doing that I really question the coaching uh, hires that they made it just doesn't feel like the right moves and like you said like they're playing chicken shit football there I mean just Go for it. And for you, me, get, you need two yards in like, the NFL. You should be able to push for two yards yeah. on two tries, period. And, and I, if you can't, like, oh, well. Like, you, you, then you don't have the talent to win football games. You need to dr- exhaust times. every option. There was multiple times yesterday where I thought they should have gone for it, and they just didn't. And it's just like, yep. like who? Like, it, in a way, it's like, who cares if you don't get it? Like, at least show that you're, 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 you're giving your quarterback a chance to actually go and win you a game, right? right? You had the first half. When they're in the red zone and they don't go for it on fourth down and they kick the field goal, the first field goal. Yeah. You know, I didn't have as much of an issue with it, so I'm not going to Monday morning quarterback it today. At the same time, I can understand where people are coming from. Give your quarterback an opportunity. And then, especially and then with the how end, he, he played on that the drive. Game, the yeah. fourth and two at the end of the game, as Herb mentioned, you know, Matt Eberflus said after the game, the, the operation worked. No, it didn't. Bayless Jones dropped the punt. You added, a, you added a variable. You not only had to get the stop, yep. and your, your run defense hadn't stopped anything at that point. Luckily, they did get the stop, but then Bayless Jones drops the punt. So the operation didn't work. 
And so I kind of pushed back on his thought process that, you know, oh, the plan worked. No. And overall, he shouldn't have done it at all. You're fourth and two. You're midfield. As you mentioned, Herb, you just gave up three of your timeouts. Yeah. You're not. He also said they were going to they were trying to flip field position. You were already at the 45. <laughs> the field position is flipped. You need two yards. Yeah. And, you, you know, it's just it was cowardly to me. We did the blame game on the postgame show yesterday with Adam Hogue and Mark Harmon. That was the first thing I said, coaching. The adjustments or lack thereof on the boot the yep. whole first half. He saw it 18 times, yep. and they didn't adjust to it until the start of the second half. And even in the second half, they ran it a few times with Tyrod Taylor and still embarrassed us. I mean, mm. there was some adjustments made. Brisker had a tackle in the backfield that was nice, you know, uh, nice adjustment for the rookie. But the, when you're coming in here as a defensive head coach and you have this resume coming from the Indianapolis Colts and it takes you all the way to the halftime tunnel to make a simple adjustment – that's a big red flag. And then, you know, Luke Getze on some of those, you know, not letting your quarterback. I understand that being conservative, you're trying to play to win. But in some of these situations this week in the red zone and then the fourth and two and then last week a couple of times where he didn't give his quarterback a chance in a normal situation that you would give any quarterback a chance, that's where I push back on. You're not developing this guy in the right way and giving him a chance to make the simple plays. Why do you want him to be conservative? Let him loose. Let him see what he can do. Like he's saying he he's trying to do too much. He's trying to be perfect. That's what he's doing. If Justin Fields wants to go out and throw 25 picks this year, it doesn't matter. Again, he's going to be back here ne uh, next year. Like there were so many times watching this game where it's just like there's a window open and it just seems like he's too trigger shy. Like he just won't pull that trigger. I just want him to be like play loose, right? Yep. You have fourth and two make whatever happen and it's just trust your guys and if they don't make the plays they don't make the plays but put them in the opportunity and put Justin Fields in the opportunity to make those plays and make mistakes if you don't let him make those mistakes he will never learn how to grow in those opportunities and then be questioning himself because he did everything that was asked of him yesterday and when you know Jason Leisure says you know why isn't the passing game working he's like well I, I don't know why it isn't like or what you're talking about and right. Jason's like the stats look bad like all Justin Fields is doing was try to throw the open guys. And I think he did the, that for the most part well yesterday. Like, I, I think that the passing game and what he was asked to do worked well. I just don't think it's the right passing game for an NFL quarterback or at least one that you're trying to well, develop like this. He's got and, one hand tied behind his back. I yep. mean, you don't have right. the talent around. So, yeah, he can go out there and throw 30 picks this year. But, like, unlike Peyton Manning's rookie year where he had 28 interceptions, he had, like, 28 touchdowns that year. Yeah. If right. they just let Fields rip it, that's not – the touchdown side of it's not going to happen. So, there, at some – there has to be some semblance of balance, and you know your run game is the bread and butter. But in those certain situational moments – to take the ball out of your quarterback's hands. Nobody's saying just run streaks on third and 20. Have a game plan, <laughs> but there are those situational moments that I'm pushing back on with Matt Eberflus. And I'm with you. I, I, I was a Greg Roman guy from the Ravens. I thought he would have been a perfect match to help groom Justin Fields into what we all hope he can become. I even flirted with the crazy idea of Meatball Harbaugh coming in here, Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, just because I wanted an offensive mind to help Justin Fields. Everything should be catered around ju right. developing well, Justin Fields into a great yes. quarterback. And that's where I want to take this conversation, you know, before we get into some of the points bet stuff that we're going to talk about so we can get your, uh, you know, prop bets and everything else in from Cody and Sean here before kickoff. And then, of course, Nick Moriano is going to come on here later on. But that's where I want to go with it with you guys is um, 
to me, the whole conversation this year is Justin Fields. And I know some Bears fans get frustrated. There's, you know, 50 other, you know, 55 other players on the team. Fine. But it's an unavoidable conversation. And four games into this, especially the last three games, you know, more concerns are growing with Justin Fields. And then we talk about the bigger picture of the entire team, the coaching decisions, the wide receiver talent or lack thereof. Cole Komet is terrible and has been for three years. You know, the <laughs> offensive line can't block, and now you have Cody Whitehair that's going to be out for an extended period of time. And that's kind of what we, you know, was, you know, the title of the show is, what what is your bigger concern going forward? Not just next week, but just the big picture. Is your bigger concern Justin Fields or everybody else, and that includes the coaches. I'll start with you, Sean. I think the biggest concern for the Bears just needs to be Justin Fields, period. I mean, like, it, not as in, like, fans and what you need to be concerned about, but everything needs to be catered towards Justin Fields. So I, I think if you're worried about anything, it needs to be about the coaching and the help around Justin Fields because I don't think he's getting enough help. And, you know, you bring up Greg Roman. I see someone bringing up, you know, the Bears only hire first-time coaches. Well, John Fox was also in there as well. Um, I, I think it's just about the guy and who you're hiring. And Greg Roman would have been nice. But also, like, who is helping him grow and helping him understand the situations that he's in? Because he's in a unique situation that really only certain athletes are in. And I, I know this guy is very, you know, shrouded in his own drama and own past mistakes. But Michael Vick has been a comparison drawn to Justin Fields. Jason Peters made it recently. Those two have a bond. I just think that if you give him a guy that can relate to him and understand what you're going through and the struggles of a young quarterback and a young quarterback that has unique skills and how to put those together, um, Michael Vick had some help like Warwick Dunn, Algie Crumpler uh, back in the day, but it was a pretty thin offensive roster. I, I just think that you need to help him understand what he needs to do and how he can put himself in that situation more. And I, I think he did a decent job, especially in the first half yesterday, running and scrambling and finding lanes and being that decisive runner. Um, but also, I don't think he was a decisive thrower. And I think he just needs somebody who can help him through that. And I don't know if Luke Getze is that guy. I don't think Matt Eberflus Ebel, is Robert that guy. Robert Griffin also asked, to, like right. he was saying something in the offseason, like, bring me on. I'd love to be a part of. I'm down with it. Is, you know, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from in that regard. Um so are you at a point where is there any concern as far as him being the guy? Or, you know, this, there was progress yesterday. Yeah. So I think that's a positive. Are you, are, is there any type of concern that he isn't the guy? Well, Stephen, I want to go to the graphic I brought up. Uh, this is from Brad Spielberger of PFF, um, mm -hmm. and this is, has Justin Fields struggled? Yes. Um, does he have comfortably the toughest situation in the NFL? Fell also yes. Um, this is sorted um, on the Y-axis, that's up and down, uh, by dropback slash uh, wide receivers uh, open or who are wide open, and then uh, on the X-axis, it's QB dropback percentage without pressure. So it's basically showing you uh, – QB drops backs with pressure compared to the separation. Justin Fields is that dot in the bottom left. left. <laughs> and bottom left is bad. All right. That's, That's Hawaii. If, if you want if you, you want to be more in the middle, at least, maybe in the top or uh, right is where, you know, J Jalen Hurts and uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence are, the guys that are having great, uh, you know, seasons. But uh, I don't think the talents around him, uh, whether that be on the offensive line or be on in, in the wide receiving core, um, I don't think the coaches are right around him. So I think it's tr tough to truly judge him. Like, I, I don't think you're having a good season to judge Justin Fields off of. And I, I think that 
part of that is helping out the coaches. We see that uh, Nathaniel Hackett needs an analyst uh, to help, you know, be brought in to help right. him um, and, and make coaching decisions. Russell Wilson has his own QB coach. Like, I think with a project this special, especially with this level of athlete, there shouldn't be as any measures skimped out on. Like, go out and help Justin Fields because right now you're not helping him with this wide receiver core. You're not helping him with this offensive line. Right. And, yeah, he's making some bad decisions like a rookie quarterback would, but make it easier on him. I, I don't think they're really doing that for yeah. and doing that. Maybe they are with some play calls, but in the large part, I don't My think they are. My red pill says on every grab, bottom left is bad. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's Honolulu over there. You know? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Herb, you know, as far as Justin Fields mm -hmm. and being the future of this franchise, you know, is there any concerns that have grown here in the last three weeks? Not that, you know, we're, we've always been hopeful, mm -hmm. but now I feel like there's a growing concern. Are you in that category or are you – still, you know, optimistic because of the lack of pieces around him and that understanding. Slightly in the category of Justin might be not the guy because the one thing I saw that was very troubling to me, it constantly happened. Giants would show seven front, a seven-man front, and the Bears would have six men to block him. So you have six men to block him. The seventh man is your man, Justin Fields. So you need to do some hot routes. Some That ball, that man is yours. So either you're getting out of the pocket or you're getting rid of the ball. But he never really adjusted to that. And the Giants, for some dumbass reason, in the second half, went away from the pressure. They didn't have as much uh, pressure on Justin Fields. And that's why you saw a little bit more uh, uh, progression from him in the second half and the Bears doing a little better. And I just think that he needs to grow. And the coaches need to tell him, hey, when you got that, Understand, no, there's no help. Math, seven's greater than six. You're the seventh man, so you have to get that man. That means you're either going to take a good block or you're going to hit him or you're going to throw the ball away. And he holds the ball way too much. And like Sean says, he's very indecisive in the pocket. And that could be because of he threw interceptions earlier in his career or he's gotten hit hard or he's kind of seeing ghosts, as some quarterbacks say they see. But whatever that is coaches have to coach him up and say this I understand that you think he's covered but this is the NFL they're all covered and I know the Bears are covered the most but god damn it throw the ball Echomania St. Brown throw the ball to Darnell Mooney throw the ball to Cole Komet's bum ass whatever get the ball out of your hand stop taking as many sacks as you are we have a bad line you know that but we got to have to do a short passing game in the interim until we are, we are solidify our line. Like last year, they solidified their line later in the year. You could saw, saw a little bit more progression in the offense. This year, the line sucks. And they're getting pressure on, as I think somebody said, 51% of the dropbacks. You have to know that it's not going to be five seconds back there. It's not going to be comfortable. you got to get the ball out of the hands after two seconds. Well, And whenever he's done with his uh – drop back, whether it be three-step, five-step, whatever, out of the gun, it never seems like, you know, one, two, three, step and throw. Like most QBs, it yeah. seems like one, two, There's three, hitch step, hitch. Two. Yeah, and even then, like you see Brady hitch sometimes, but it's like hitch and he's still staying in his progressions. Like Fields, it seems like he's still looking at his progression and it's just panicking that that guy's not open, right? I think that's part of the separation problem that we see. I mean, also, too, like after the big play to Mooney, going along the lines of just Fields not understanding uh, the balance of the field and what's after them. I don't mind the power I call going to Herbert just because Herbert's been eating them up. Um, but the issue was you started seeing the safety creep in. You started seeing them go to the side that they were going to run. Like Fields needs to make that adjustment where you're going to flip that play and then open up the field to the to the weak side. I, I just that's part of the I think growing 
pains of any young quarterback. And I think he'll make those adjustments, but as an actual athlete and as an actual quarterback and thrower, I think the signs are there. And, and as a runner too, I mean, like there's just so many great signs of, of him as uh, an athlete that I just don't think you can say it's all on him on why it hasn't been perfect yet. Cody. Yeah. I mean, man, Greg, this, is he the guy? I think, I think he is the guy. I just, and I'm with Sean, like, he's, like, it's hard to judge. I mean, Dante Pettis got a ball right to his hands, and yep. it was, and it was a tough throw to make, in yep. my opinion, uh, on that particular play, and, like, he didn't come down with it, and it's, like, it's frustrating. So, like, yeah, Fields has had his mistakes, and, like, you can point out on all the, all the clips that he misses uh, a deep throw, and, 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 and he runs instead. Like, I, I totally get Like, he definitely hasn't been perfect, but his own teammates haven't helped him out either. Finally, Darnell Mooney got going yesterday, so that's a positive sign. I, You know, I just – I I think he is the guy. I want to believe that he is the guy. It's just like – it's kind of like what these guys have been saying. Like, this coaching staff has got to do better, man. I understand – you know, new system right. for all these players, and, play and you're, yeah, and, and you're, roles. and you got to go through that transition. But it's like, yep. when do we stop saying that? Like, right. do I have to wait till like, do I have to wait another month? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I shouldn't have to. It's like, it's almost like you watch other teams around the league and they make these new hires or whatever, and they just come in and it's night and day almost sometimes. Like, it's not every team, but I've seen other teams, good organizations, who do it, and it's just like. Like, why can't we just have some competence? Miami Dolphins, you're talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a great, great point. Like, like just, I just want some competency, and it, it's, I just feel like my entire life, it is just miserable watching this organization try to just get it together, and we'll have one random year where, where you know, things might go well, and you go to the playoffs, and the double doink happens, and then I hate everything again, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it's just like it's. I know this year is all about trying to develop Justin Fields, but like, man, like, like I said earlier, he struggled or the team struggled to put up points against the Texans and now the Giants. And like, they got to go to Minnesota this week. They got to play. I'm, like, I don't have the schedule in my head, but like, I know they got to play uh, the Bills Washington later. Commanders. In the year. Yeah, um, the, maybe the Commanders would be different. Maybe uh, things would go well. Patriots, then. Vikings, Washington, New England. I think. Yeah, yeah like Vikings, then Washington on. Thursday night football, then the Patriots on the road on Monday night football, yeah. and then the Dolphins, and we'll be having a tailgate for that Absolutely. Dolphins game, so make sure you guys come out to that, uh, but I don't feel good about any of those four games, to no. be honest with you. I, it, maybe you know, the Commanders. To start yeah. the season, I could look at some of those games and like, hey, maybe we can steal one. Maybe we, we, we should be able to beat the Commanders at home, but now where the offense is, and we're at a point now where it's like, you know, yeah, Justin Fields had – no touchdowns, one turnover, and 180 yards, and that's progress. Like, okay, if that's where our expectation level is, then my expectation level changes for these games. And now I'm starting to see that the losses could really start piling up, especially after losing to the Giants. That was one, like, if you're one of those people that's, like, hoping they can get to the win prediction you had them at. I had them at seven. Some had them at more for some reason. We had them Hogue had them at nine. I mean, at this Oof. point, the way the offense is playing, they'll be lucky to get to six. Yeah. And I hate saying that, but it's the truth. They just don't have the talent around them. So, you know, it's it's an interesting discussion. I understand, you know, uh, it gets beat to a dead horse when it talks about – when we're talking about Justin Fields. But it's the story of the season, and it's, it's unavoidable. Uh, I definitely want to give him next year. You know, it's – 
it's still a long way to go. When I see when we talk about hey, uh, Justin Fields, it's not just about developing Justin Fields. There's the rest of the team. So no, you're not going to just throw it whenever. And and we point out these different situ- situational spots that they don't throw it in that that pisses me off. Like fourth and two to end the game. Well then, why does Kyler Gordon get to be out there developing on the fly Thank and you. get? beat every play for four straight games you're not taking him off the field he gets to develop while failing braxton jones you know he's a fifth round maybe a diamond in the rough pick as far as value is concerned but he had a tough game yesterday he's getting to develop on the field and fail on the field why can't justin be allowed some leeway to develop and fail on the field. Yes, you're trying to win games, but if that's the case, then Kyler Gordon should be sat down. Yeah. So, it, you know, hold that same standard for everybody if we're trying to win games. If we're developing, then develop. But if we're trying to win games, then Kyler Gordon should be taken off for a few plays. Exactly, and I think that's what Sean said. Like, let him throw interceptions. Let him let him cook. Like, right. if he's, like, let him know exactly what to do and what not to do. Right now, like, you're just learning. He's just learning what not to do and just be conservative. I want him to be the guy who threw the 51-yard dime. Just absolute perfect pass that Darnell Mooney just catches right in his arm. Like, I want that guy to be out there. And I know that's few and far between, but give me some of that. I want the guy that's breaking tackles and going for a first down. Give me all that. Like, the man's got skills that you can exploit. Danny goddamn dimes is running bootlegs all damn day. And when we run bootlegs, we can't get a seal on the damn end. That's that's half the damn play tight end. That's your job right there. Make sure that guy is in so Justin Fields can keep on going oh, out, and then you go out and release for your route. Just, like, simple shit. Simple even, high school shit that's Eber happening. And said, I sent the DM to, to Hogan and, and, and Mark. He said, well, we got Cole three catches for 16 yards, so we got him going. And I was like, don't say that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's not getting anybody going. But, but uh, go so, ahead. But, like, quick. just two, like, when the Bears are good, or if the Bears are good with Justin Fields, are they going to be throwing it less than 30 times a game? No. No. So why is he not throwing the ball more than 30 times a game? Well, because they're afraid of him making the wrong right. play. Who cares? Well, Who but also cares? he could get killed, you know, if you're dropping back too much with this offensive line, especially with Cody out. And then right. also, but, you're not, you don't have wide receivers that can get open. And especially if you're bringing extra protection in, you have less receivers running routes, so that's more DBs for little amount of wide receivers, right? We're not running five wide. We're running two tight end sets with a couple wide receivers running out with that they're all getting double team. They can't beat single team, let alone double team. So I understand it to an extent. That's why I'm not blaming them for the overall conservative picture. What I am going to push back on them is the situational moments. Uh, to end the first half last week with three timeouts, you don't give Justin a chance. Uh, yep. uh, third and six last week against the Texans, and you run a draw basically saying we're punting. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This week in the red zone, even though, like I said, I didn't have a problem with it at the time, many did, and then fourth and two at the end of the game. Those are the situational. The fourth and two was egregious, and that's where I draw a line as far as this conservative idea to to build Justin Fields up from there. So uh, we actually do got to get into the 
to our points bet segment of this show before the kickoff gets started because I know everybody wants to get their prop bets in, and we have the experts in the house. I know nothing about gambling. These guys are gambling sharks. So, uh, you know, but before we get into it, I know these guys are going to help me out. If I do the ad reads today, this will all go to shit. So we had to pass it off to the pros here today, you know, because I'm just the bricklayer pretending to be a mm-hmm. uh, be a host tonight, uh, you know, because Will, you know, Will's having some internet stuff. So Will DeWitt will be back to save me next week. But for this week. <laughs> Give yourself it, more credit. Don't worry. Don't worry, Don't worry, Greg. Don't worry. To raise Greg Braggs as, as way, it has my whole life. That bricklaying video you put out there, ASMR, <laughs> perfect. I love it. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Go and check out his uh, Facebook. We it was were talking awesome. about it on the pregame <laughs> show yesterday, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Go ahead, Cody. Anyway, you know, I got five picks for or five props or three props and then over under in the money line for this game coming but, up. But you got the oh okay. So I'm gonna yeah, do go the ad. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it right after the I'll ad. So stick up. around. This is football season. <laughs> Point points bets bring you a better way to bet live on wow. games. Which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out your live second half over bet. With points bet, you have access to more live football markets than ever before. Build the perfect live same game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. Choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with points bet lightning bets. So whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live on points bet. Download the points bet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get your first two bets risk-free up to $2,000. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. No, I don't need to do that. <laughs> no, because you're winning. I am winning. But and gambling's the, the fun amount when of you bets win. that I make, people think that I need to to do that. Nah, but you're I, fine. I don't think so. Though. You got it under control. You could stop anytime you want to. Um, <laughs> the picks that I like tonight, I, I if you could find Rams plus money, I would take it. I tried to ask Cody, why wouldn't you take Rams plus money? And he gave me some reasons that I don't really buy any of them. Um, the Rams, I think, are the better team. They're going up against Jimmy Garoppolo. They have a great defense that I think is going to pressure them. I don't see how the Niners are going to be able to put up points tonight. I'm taking the Rams at plus 105. I found it at plus 110 earlier, and I regret not putting $30 on it. Mm. I only put 10 Wow. That's a, that's a huge bet for you. Usually yeah, $10 like two, is a huge two bet. Two or $3. Well, no. I, well, so, I mean, what I, use, what I like to do is, is on the bank and on CHGO bets, I usually like keeping $20 in, and I'll make my lock of the night, which is 10 bucks, so that my lock of the night tonight would be Rams, money line at plus 110. It's a pretty big um, lock. But I, I got to catch Cody. Cody's up to like 600 bucks or something. Mm. Yeah, my Cody's bank on points bet is around six hundred bucks. I saw you won a bunch of games uh, with college football oh, Saturday. My noon, the noon slate for Mercy. college football Saturday. I went. I started the day seven and one. Did you take Kansas money line? I did take Kansas money line. Oh, I also took TCU money line. I took TCU plus five. I took the over on that game, and it hit in the third quarter, dude. I was vibing on my that, couch at two p.m. <laughs> this t- it was the best. That TCU Kansas game. Yeah. Oh boy. It was fun. Oh boy. No, no, the one that's coming up on Saturday. Oh yeah, that's gonna be that's a game of the week. It's like six, six and a half right now. Oh boy. Okay. Let me. Uh, so you like you like the Rams? I'm I'm taking the 49ers tonight because I think it's a great situational spot for the 49ers. Uh, they're home after a loss. Plus plus in their heads. You know how it works, Greg. Revenge. It's a revenge game after the NFC Championship game last year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the 49ers are one and two. They need to win this game. I think it's a great situational spot. Also, it kind of helps that Kyle Shanahan is eight and three against the spread against Sean McVay. Now I'm taking 49ers money line, but it's literally one and a half. So like, don't 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 do the spread 
or if you do the spread and they and the 49ers win by one, then like I, you're gonna hate yourself. Just take the money lines at like minus 120. Just all I'm saying is when McVay and and Kyle Shanahan get together, Shanahan has done better more often than not. So that's why I'm taking the 49ers tonight. And I'm also taking the under because the under is eight, three, and one in the, this season uh, in primetime games. Very so I'm nice. um, just going to keep riding that trend. Yeah, I like uh, I like the under as well tonight. I also like Cooper Cup and our guy Jack R, who's usually hanging out with us um, on CHGO Bets, also likes Cup anytime touchdown. Need that. Um, he had uh, he scored a touchdown in like 10 need, straight games or something. Well, like. I need a touch three Cooper Cup. Anytime touchdowns he for is. my fantasy team, <laughs> for the record. There you go. Um, anytime any in the game you'd like, Cooper. I actually but I need do, three too, of them. actually, for my fantasy team, too. Yeah, You can get that at minus 115. Uh, he had uh, a touchdown in every game except one last year against the Niners, but had 122 yards. Usually, if you're getting 122 yards, you're probably getting targeted in the end zone. Um, mm. So if I lose like that, it's not too rough. Also, uh, two out of three games so far this year, he's had a touchdown, three touchdowns total. Um, I yeah. just think it's it's easy money at minus 115. Um, it's basically even, so yeah. uh, it's a smart bet. Um, let's get to the juice. You know how we like the plus money on CSGO Bets Daily, Sean. Tyler Higby, anytime touchdown, plus 260. All right. Last year, 49ers gave up six touchdowns to tight ends. Three of those were to Tyler Higby in the games that they played against the Rams. <laughs> so, uh, again, plus 260, and these teams know each other. They play each other twice a year, and a lot of these games are always kind of go the same. Like, they're always kind of low scoring, and, like, it comes down to the very last possession. It's always close. I think Tyler Higby scores tonight. First touchdown, 11-1. to If you really like it, if you really think that Tyler Higby's going to score, I mean, first touchdown, I mean, you get you get the boosted odds. Use that two that free bet that, that points bet put in everyone's account. Today. I think it's in the same game parlay, though. There we go. Oh, yeah, it does have to be same so game. So maybe, maybe right. include Tyler Higby in your same um, game parlay bets. Yeah. Well, okay, and then I so I like that. That's my big my big juicy one. But I also like Debo Samuel anytime touchdown plus one twenty. Uh, he plays very well against the Rams. The last five games against the Rams, the, that's two seasons. Samuel has thirty catches on thirty seven targets and four hundred sixty three yards, three touchdowns through the air from whoever's throwing in the ball, and then two touchdowns and over hundred yards rushing, so on the ground as well. So no Elijah like, Mitchell either. So yeah. You're gonna- Lean on him a little more. Yeah. So like, I I feel good. I feel good about Cooper Cooper Cup. That's a good bet. But I also feel good about Debo Samuel. Uh, I like him to score, and I also like I got his receiving plus rushing at eighty five and a half. I took the over. Matt Nagy's wondering what you're talking about. Matt <laughs> Nagy's like, lost. Matt, also, like when Patrick Mahomes uh, talks to him on the Chiefs sidelines. Yeah. Matt Nagy is lost like he always was when he was here. Yeah. <laughs> get your get your uh, Denny's playbook sheet out. And see if you know what that means, Matt. No, so. but he's great. He's in our chat every every show, and he's giving us advice and helpful and finding out the lies and, and finding, finding out, out the lies. So, we go. appreciate Matt. He's actually very funny too. I give him credit. <laughs> Be me. Yeah. Be me. me. He just plays the shit. Talk about game time. I am going to talk about game time. It's the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the biggest deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Ever dreamed of sitting in the the seat you never thought of? 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate? I sat in club section at Atlanta Braves game about two, three weeks ago when they faced Sandy Alcantara. Bought some great seats, and I found a better deal on a different website their 110% guarantee at game time got me $46 in my account, like within 12 minutes. They are the best 
gaming site or for tickets on the secondary market ever. You won't find a better deal this season. If you do, like I said, the 110% money will be in your account within 12 minutes. You just got to give them proof that they're the same section and the same seats are on a better on a site that's had a better price, and they'll get you your money immediately. And me and Sean and uh, Steven, our producer, spent that on the White Sox uh, game, what, two, three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Where we went, and we spent $48, $48 for all three of us combined on great seats in the club section, which we actually sat in the lower section because the White Sox had no one there. But last-minute deals, there's nothing better than game time. And if you love CHGO and you love game time, the best way to support us is buying your tickets through the link in the description right here on this YouTube right here. Or if you listen on the podcast, there's also a link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and scored the best deals on the favorite on your favorite events. That's Boom. It. And Nicholas Moriano on, uh, calls right when he's done. Yeah, oh, that's perfect. I, mean, I was getting ready to say I was on game time this morning looking at tickets for Illinois Iowa. You got damn right. I know you're Ooh. seeing. I'm, hey, I, I, might, you I might be joining you. To go. I yeah. might be joining you, friends. Y'all, y'all live in the same I, neighborhood. The you can drive down too, together. Like, yeah. I honestly am irritates. Like we're Cub fans, but mm. like you sitting next to me, honestly, is pissing me off too a little bit because Illinois picked up a recruit for basketball that he <laughs> was for Gibbs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gibbs Lawhorn, right? He was yeah, supposed yeah. to come to Trey Gibbs Purdue. Lawhorn. Yeah. Let's go. He was supposed to come to Purdue. Skypoint. He's an <laughs> Indian. He's from the Purdue area, yep. and, and he, then chose he, Illinois basketball I've, school. I like the way you guys have been recruiting lately in basketball is honestly pissing me off. So hey, nil. Like, if you we got some it, money now, the NIL cheating. That's really what I'm saying. This nil stuff is a game changer. Illinois yeah. got some of the best nil and, in the nation. Like I feel like we're not yeah. going to get along. Shad Khan. February and March. <laughs> Could we'll you imagine choosing between West Lafayette and Champaign? That sounds horrible. It's Listen. much better than choosing Madison because their team is shite. And also, Iowa City's kind of terrible too, Nicholas. I was yeah. about to say, <laughs> Cody's talking about Illinois, Iowa. You guys might have a third yeah. team. Uh, you know, if Moriano didn't have to go to Minnesota this weekend, I would gladly go to Illinois, Iowa with him in Champaign, oh, and we could just argue and bicker the entire way down and all of that. You know what I mean? AJ Pollock lost in yeah. center field. So, yeah, we bring in our guy, Nicholas Moriano, who's doing the, the hard work, you know, traveling all across the globe to cover our Chicago Bears here for CHGO. And we appreciate, uh, you know, everything you're doing. Uh, Nick, how was the flight back? You know, did you do some soul searching? Are you going to get this fixed for us for next week against Minnesota? Greg, I can only do so much now, and that's a big ask to, to you know, fix the Chicago Bears. But the flight was good. Slept uh, the entire time, got all my work done beforehand, so able to sleep on a relatively uh, quick flight. But, hey, uh, Cody, like the game's on Saturday, the Bears play on Sunday, so we could theoretically make something happen there, um, even though I think I'm flying later Saturday, so maybe, maybe we couldn't. But I would have so There's been down to go to Champagne. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a night game. It's a night game, though. It's a night game. Yeah, yeah, it's a prime time That makes game. it a little difficult. Yeah, they're yeah, putting Illinois, Iowa in prime time. Damn right. Yeah, because yeah, Illinois is a football us. school since Saturday, yeah. man. We've got some faceoffs because Wisconsin. When did Iowa become a football school? Never. They never, never but like they like to think so. <laughs> they went eight games a year. We got yeah, Wisconsin and Northwestern too at Northwestern. <laughs> so we got Ooh, a lot first of, one to ten points wins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got some <laughs> rivalries going on with some relatively meaningless football. football although <laughs> Illinois has played very well. Uh, Nick, you know. You talked to Jaquan Brisker today, you know, in the Monday pressers. You know, I was watching some of your coverage on Twitter while I was at work. And, um, you know, I'm just curious because my biggest problem, and you wrote an article 
you know, in regards to this, you know, after the game last night that everybody should go t- check out and read. But, you know, my biggest problem I had was the lack of adjustment to this play-action rollout. Was there any additional thoughts that Brisker had? Because, you know, he was one of the guys that made an adjustment in the second half, getting that tackle for loss in the backfield. You know, was there any additional thoughts he had as far as that was concerned, as far as the play-action rollouts? Well, if you ask Jaquan Brisker, it seemed like that the bootlegs that the Giants were doing, and they are very effective on him. Daniel Jones obviously did what he did on the six carries and the two touchdowns that he scored, but he said they didn't do anything out of the normal. It was essentially that they just didn't have that eye discipline. And I talked to Nicholas Morrow after the game, talked to Dominique Robinson, and also asked Matt Eberflus about it, but it's just stuff that they – seem relatively confident that they can get that correct and moving forward. It's just going to take some repetition. And Matt Eberflus said it three times in the one answer, the, the answer that he had for me it was like execution, execution, execution. But like a rollout is nothing too complex. You guys, every single team from the NFL to peewee football can probably execute this, but yet the bears lack of discipline, the entire game was alarming. And that's why Daniel Jones was able to do what he did. And it didn't even matter once Tyrod Taylor even came to the, you know, the game for the few plays that he was in the bear, the, the giants are still executing their offense. So they say it's an easy fix. I have to see it to believe it because there's been a lot of things said with this bears team and we're still, we're waiting for action. Not, not their words necessarily. Nick, I saw your video before the game at MetLife Stadium. It looked like there was a lot of wind. It moved your hair. I mean, you could see that nicely coiffed <laughs> hair right there. That's a tough thing to do. Did you think that affected the Bears' passing game, or is the Bears' passing game just anemic? I mean, only, what, 22 passes, only 11 of those completed. So I saw the 51-yarders. That was beautiful, but really nothing else really downfield for Justin Fields there. No, yeah, that that wind was legit. Like I, I, I do put a lot of product in this hair, and so it's supposed to stay, you know, in place throughout the day. And that wind said not today. But in terms of it, did it affect the the Bears' passing game? The Bears affected their own passing game. They don't know how to block. They don't know how to get route concepts correctly. And when there are plays to be had, it just seems like there's missed opportunities in terms of maybe the quarterback not holding up or seeing the field correctly. And just also with, with blocking, like whenever you have seven pressures given up by your center, mm-hmm. interior pressure is going to kill any quarterback. It doesn't have to be whether it's a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields or a stationary guy like Tom Brady. Anytime you have that, that's going to disrupt the passing game. But yeah, it was definitely more than the win there, Herb, but it was a, a factor for sure. And it, I think on the field, it was a little less than what I was kind of experiencing outside the stadium but it's definitely was still uh, an element the Bears and the Giants had to deal with. Well, and Nick, I want to ask a little bit about what happened after the game. Uh, you've been around Jason Leisure and how he asks questions. Jason's very blunt, and Jason just wants a straight answer from somebody. Um, didn't seem like Justin wanted to give him a straight answer. Um, with that whole, you know, the stats about passing offense and, and you know, just looking at how ugly the stats have been, um, how do you think Justin answered that answer uh, or that question, and how do you think the Bears get away from – what's been ailing them in the first four weeks passing wise. Yeah. And Jason leisure is one of the best at it. He, he does, like you said, he wants a direct answer. He'll ask you bluntly, however he needs to ask it. He will get that question across, but for, for Justin's response, look, I get it. He wants to win and maybe the stats don't, they're, they're meaningless to him from the answer that he said, 
But that's not reality, you guys. If the Bears are ranked dead last in every passing statistical category, points, yards per attempt, and, you know, the, the, the stats that matter, then, you know, that winning is not going to be a part of the equation in the end. In terms of what they could do, Sean, it's like you can look at every facet of the passing game and there's going to be improvement needed. And you also got to look like the talent. It's just not there. Like if there were times where Justin Fields had time, which wasn't, you know, a lot in that game against the Giants, it just, you go back to the wide receivers. They're not getting open. And when the wide receivers were open, they're running the wrong routes. And I thought it was interesting today. Darnell Mooney also spoke to the media and there were two plays that he highlighted where he's just doing the wrong thing. And this is your, your number one guy. And yes, he is in a new offense and it, you know, obviously there's going to be some hiccups along the way, but he said, yeah, I messed up on, there's this play, the third and 10 play where Justin Fields actually runs for a first down rolling, uh, running to his right where Mooney gets behind the linebacker. There's a wide open middle of the seam, right? That everyone keeps yes. talking about. Go ahead. Yeah, and Darnell Mooney, yes, he's wide open there, but he's supposed to carry his route over to the next hash mark to his right. And he he admitted that, and Eberflus also said that, but still, like, that's that's a miscue on him. But if you're Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus said, hey, he had time in the pocket, and he is coached up. Like, if that's not there, go to your check down in the flat or run with it, and he did run with it and got the first. But it's, like, that's a that's a touchdown easily a touchdown for, for Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields. But it seems like the two guys that have worked the most in the offseason have not clicked whatsoever, other than that deep throw on the second drive of the game on first down, which is great to see. But the inconsistency, it's been there all season between the two. Do you have a sense, you know, just from that standpoint, as far as Justin did – you're essentially saying Justin did the right thing because Mooney wasn't on the right hash, so he took off and ran for it. Same thing last week. Justin said when he took off and ran for it and everybody pointed out the hitch was open on the right side, he said his feet weren't set the right way and that's why he didn't throw it. Do you get a sense that Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, and this is like I've been like trying so hard to get in the mind of both these guys, do you get a sense that these guys are evaluating Justin Fields on these foundational basis of this is what we want you to do with your footwork and your, you know, mechanics. And the, like he said, the stats don't matter to me. It's what he, what his job is being asked to do. Are, are they evaluating him on that level beyond what the statistical you know, if he just ripped it, even though that wasn't what he's supposed to do. is Because that's where I'm, like, going with this is, like, you know, if he doesn't get good stats the whole year, I, I feel like the rest of the year is going to look like this offensively. Are they going to evaluate him by sticking to what they're trying to teach him? Greg, I think it's going to be a little bit of everything when it comes to Justin Fields. But the problem I have, if you're just going to evaluate him, if he executes the play right, a lot of Justin Fields' game and what makes him special is when the play is actually broken down, right? When he can get outside the pocket, use his legs, and make those plays that are not essentially called for. So it seems like, for me looking at it, that Justin Fields is really going by the book. What he's being coached to do, if it's not there, I'm going to exactly listen to what my coaches are preaching, which is great, which is fine, but that player is still open. 
And Maddie Rafflus was asked, like, okay, even though Mooney didn't run the right play, can you just see with your eyes? Like, he's open. Can he throw it? He's like, yeah, absolutely he can. So it's it's like a, a weird place that Justin Fields is in. Yes, you want to execute the plays right, but a lot of what he can do, what makes him, what made him a first-round draft pick, the 11th overall pick, why the Bears moved up to go get him, is those improvised plays where he can just do it on his own. It, it seems like almost that he's being, that's being taken away because he wants to execute the play exactly how it's coached. And again, there, there's good in that. And I think you're also taking away what Justin Fields is capable of. And I think, honestly, it's just at this point, you guys, four weeks in, Justin Fields is not putting up the numbers that he probably envisioned, this offensive vision, what we all envision. It could just be mental, too. Like, do I throw that ball down the middle of the field? You know, I've been picked off there a couple times this season. Like, it, it could also be a little things like that. So I think, though, he makes really special plays when it's not, you know, status quo what the play's supposed to be. Let him play a little bit, and hopefully he can get that, and, you know, this offense can actually start looking like an actual offense. Uh, Nick. A boy can dream. <laughs> before, uh, before you came on, I kind of emphasized my worries with Fields with the fact that the Bears' schedule so far has been fairly soft outside of the 49ers and uh, the Packers. So the last two weeks, you know, Texans and the Giants. Like, the schedule is going to get a little bit tougher here as we move along. Like, where, like, that's what worries me the most about Fields and what we've seen. And now, as the, as the Bears will face tougher teams, like, where do you sit on, like, I guess, are <laughs> Has the needle moved any for you the last two weeks considering, you know, like I guess not only just his stat line, but just his play overall from what from your view? Because you're you're seeing it from a different perspective than I am on my television, you know. So I, I guess that's my thing and my question is where – do you feel any different about him today than you did this time last week? Um, Good question there, Cody. I think overall this season I am lower – on Justin Fields in terms of my expectations, um, what he's showed me so far, just seeing those reoccurring mistakes, it does leave a, a sour taste in your mouth, right? Because you, because Matty Refluce and Ryan Poles stated right in the very beginning of their introductory press conference, we expect this quarterback to take a big leap in year two. And they knew what they were surrounding him with, right? They, they knew exactly the weapons that were going to be there, the offensive line that was supposed to, you know, be with Justin Fields, but they still expect the jump. With this offense, how it currently is, the playmakers that are not there, I'm just afraid, Cody, we're not going to see anywhere close to that huge leap you're supposed to see in, in a quarterback in year two. So that's where it gets a little concerning. And you mentioned some of the opponents they face. Like, obviously, they'll have Minnesota. And then Washington has a front that you don't want to, you know, that's not a, an ideal situation for any quarterback, and especially if Chase Young is back for that game. New England Patriots in, in Foxborough, the Dallas Cowboys, the Miami Dolphins will come to Chicago and we'll have a tailgate for that. So maybe instead of watching the game, just come to the tailgate and have a good time. And you don't have to worry about the Bears and what they do. But you just, I just fear that because of the lack of playmakers and another injury to the offensive line, Cody Whitehair, their left guard, is going to miss some time. Matty Reflu said today, didn't say IR was a, a, an option right now, but and he will return at some point this season, but now you just made an offensive line that was bad worse, and you're still trying to figure things out 
with with playmakers that are not getting open. So for me and Justin Fields, like you wanted to see progression. Right. I just don't know how you're going to see that with given the situation he's in, the mistakes he's making too, and just again the opponents are going to face. It's not going to get any easier. Yeah. Well, and I want to go to one of the points you were talking about of just let Justin play. Um, we brought. I was going to bring up a stat, but he just threw for the most times this season in week four, 22 times. Mitch Trubisky averaged 30 passes a, a game when he was the Bears quarterback. And even Justin last year uh, against the Raiders, 20 passes against the Packers, 27 against the Bucks, 32 against the Niners, 27 against the Steelers, 29 against the Packers, 33 against Minnesota, 39. Obviously, those were all in losses. But do you think that you're going to see more pass attempts? Because I just think that's part of letting Justin play this out and develop is giving him those opportunities, even if those guys aren't getting open and they don't have those playmakers to make those plays be successful as you know other teams can make them. So here's the thing, Sean, and like I think that's the best way to evaluate Justin Fields, no doubt. Let's see him throw the ball and see where his, his eyes are taking him and the progression, the reads, those kind of things. But this coaching staff's also thinking, and Iberflus talked about it, we're doing what's best to win the game. Like, there are coaches that are in their first years that are, you know, trying to put out their own resume. Like, this is what we're doing uh, as a coaching staff. And if they decide, like, hey, running the ball is going to be the most effective way to do so, that's what the Bears are going to do. So it's an interesting dynamic that the Bears are in. Like, we need to develop Justin Fields, but we also want to win these games, however way we can do it. And if that means – you know, only throwing the ball eight times, then so be it. That like I think what the Atlanta Falcons just did that last uh on Sunday to win their game. Like they only threw the ball eight times. Like that's what this Bears coaching staff ultimately would come down to. If they see the best way to win is to just again theoretically play good defense, run the football, uh just earn time of possession, that's what they'll do. But you're not gonna evaluate Justin Fields to the his max potential. You need to see what he can do as a passer. And so as the season progresses, goes on, that's the whole conflict in all of this. It's like the Bears are trying to win with a roster that clearly is not going to be what it is next season. Yet you need to see what Justin Fields is by the end of this season to know if he's part of the, the equation moving forward. So the Bears, uh, Ryan Poles, Matty Rafloos, they get paid the big bucks and to, to make those, to find those answers. But to me, like Sean, like you, you were saying, you do want to see the passing attempts. I just need to see if Fields can, again, process uh, a defense, know where to go with it. And if the wide receiver's not open, the tight end's not there, that's more so on the talent. But at least his eyes are in the right place. You can you can build off of that. But it gets tricky because they still need, they're still trying to win games, and that's what it'll ultimately come down to. Yeah, because that's we were just talking about it before you came on. That's where I take issue. You know, with this idea, okay, we're going to play conventional or, you know, um, conservative, I should say, um, with Justin Fields because we're playing to win. But in the same breath, we're going to put Kyler Gordon out there in all these different spots. He's a rookie. He's getting beat almost every play, especially on third down. And we're allowing him to fail on the field as they go. But we're not going to let Justin fail on the field because we're playing to win kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth in that regard if you're the head coach you got to have if if you're playing to win then Kyler Gordon should sit down for a few series because he's he's not that's not a winning recipe right now they're going after him every time on third down so 
he's allowed to fail on the field. Braxton Jones right now is learning on the fly, failing at times on the field. He didn't have the greatest game yesterday. You know, so that's where I have an issue with that because my biggest issue outside of the lack of adjustments for Matt Eberflus, a big red flag with the not defensively not being able to make an adjustment before the halftime tunnel. The other one I had was the other coaching decision on fourth and two at the end of the game to not put the ball in Justin Fields' hands. And then for Eberflus to go in the postgame presser and say I, the operation worked, that's false, Matt Eberflus. You got the three and out, and then Valus Jones fumbled the punt. So the operation didn't work. He fumbled it. You did not get the ball back. And in regardless of even if they had gotten the ball back, like Herb said earlier, you lost all three of your timeouts and you didn't change what your field position was prior to punting the ball. It was a no-brainer to me that you had to go for it there. Was there any other explanation to that today or, you know, a, a Matt Eberflus kind of come to Jesus moment uh, as far as correcting himself in that in that mindset because you have to go for it there no greg he uh double triple down on mm. the decision to punt there and to pin them uh pin them deep in their own territory force a three and out and then because valus jones again they they had all the trust in valus jones jr to catch that punt they said they would have started at midfield and then work with the, the remaining time they had without the timeouts but no there wasn't any difference from what he said post game to what he said today still defended that decision to punt the ball allow his defense that hadn't stopped the run all game to somehow stop it and they did granted they did but he still defended that that uh, decision and obviously Valus Jones Jr. muffed the punt and he said in that post game like we're gonna rally around Valus obviously he's a guy that first game in the NFL no doubt he's gonna remember it from you know for the rest of his life because of what ended up happening there, but he definitely defended that decision and would probably do it again if he was in a similar situation. That's scary to me because he said, I'm going to flip. I was trying to flip the field position. You already had it. You were at the 45 yard line or whatever they were. Then you're just punting it to the exact same spot. I, I, I don't like how, I mean, he had the moment last week against the Texans where he admitted with three timeouts, they should have gone for it. He said that. I like that. You know, you can own up to your mistakes. It's okay. You know, we understand where you're at with this team and you're a new head coach. But when you double down on things that are wrong, in my opinion, my humble opinion, maybe not so <laughs> humble all the time, that's where I do start to have worry and red flags start to come up. But, you know, it's still early in his tenure, so I'm still hoping for the best as I'm doing a lot of hoping these days with the Bears. Yep. You guys got anything else? Yeah, I when uh, Matty Bufloos got hired, he came up with his hits principle, and I rolled my eyes as a Illini fan, you know, the Oski, the Wint thing from Tim Beckman. I was like, that's just garbly gook. It's garbage. You know, since then, I've kind of come around to it. It's like I understand what he's talking about. And, you know, for grown men, it might, you know, fall on deaf ears. And what brings me to yesterday's game is the hits principle. It's the second quarter. Bears are kind of cooking on offense. They're driving down the field. And Justin Fields, clearly to me, when the play happened, fumbles the ball on the, on the comeback. The defender hits the ball. The ball goes in the air. I see the ball go on the ground. Cody Whitehair looks at that ball. Ecumenius uh, uh, St. Brown looks at the ball. And the Giants guy jumps on the ball. They're just looking at the goddamn ball. I learned from Lovey Smith a long time ago, ball on the ground, just jump on it, stop leaving things a chance. Was there any, like, loafs 
I know he puts low some people or any minus uh, marks on those people who are just sitting there and watching the ball go on the ground for at least two, three seconds. Herb, everybody got loafs on that play, Matty Rufloos said today. So everybody that was around, all the offensive linemen got a loaf. The one wide receiver that was in the area, Equinemius, got a loaf on that one. He did say, like, for that kind of play, it's tougher for the linemen because you're just seeing a ball kind of float over you, and it's obviously coming from the back. And they just, you know, he kind of defended, like, the offensive linemen there saying, well, they don't know that it is a fumble, it's just a ball coming over their head as opposed to, like, a defender where – eyes are keyed in on defender like on the uh the muff punt that or the the fumble that the giants had like everyone can see it so they're rallying to the football but he kind of defended the guys that were there but they all got loafs on that one again they're they're they've been coached every ball that is on the ground like you said herb you have to jump on it you just don't know but yeah when it was happening real time who was i next to i was next to uh josh um from NBC Sports Chicago, I think Courtney Cronin was to my right from ESPN, and we're just like looking at it, like Cody, get get the damn ball, and obviously you didn't do that. The Giants get the ball, and Sorry. you know it's a turnover on a drive that was like you said they were moving. So it's it's just something that you don't give it to chance, like just jump on the football. And, and obviously, is they've been pretty good about that this year, even on like incomplete passes. I've noticed them picking up the ball. So to not do it in the most obvious situation when you need to make sure it's a 50, 50, whether it's a fumble or an incomplete pass like that, that disappointed me. Um, timing is always everything in football. And we saw that when Julius Peppers chose not to go after it in a pivotal game against green Bay, uh, I believe mm. in 2012 in the infamous Chris Conti game. Hurts. So, you know, um, it happens at times, but no, that it's, that's the foundation of the hits principle, the lovey principle, whatever you want to say. Uh, so disappointing. Uh, Nick, we're going to, I got, got one, more. one more thing. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go. Tevin Jenkins. What's up with him? So I, I, I followed him a bit when we were working at the score, we were doing some bears all access stuff. And I know that he had his back injury last year and wasn't able to be out on the field, but I was listening today to Carm, Corey, and Adam, and they were saying, you know, Tevin Jenkins looks the meanest out there, uh, out of the offensive linemen. Um, why has he fallen out of grace with the front office? I know, obviously, uh, Pace drafted him, so it's a completely different front office. But uh, has the coaching staff said why he's not getting playing time, or maybe if there will be an increase in playing time for Tevin Jenkins coming up? Sean, it's all about the Wednesday practices. If, uh, you know, according to Matt Eberflus, whoever practices the best on Wednesday will eventually get the Jesus. start uh, in the game on Sunday. And that's why going back to the Houston Texans game where, you know, Tevin Jenkins didn't get that start. Matt Eberflus clarified, well, it's because he didn't have a good Wednesday practice. Well, Matt, like, honestly, look, you can have, there are players that just are not good practice players. That happens, I think, in all sports. But put them in game time when it's time to perform. That's where they show out. And so far, Tevin Jenkins, who, again, was a right tackle, moved into right guard, has, I think, taken the position by storm in terms of what he's being asked to do and using his physical attributes and really just showing that on the field. But I thought, you know, yesterday against the Giants, he was easily the Bears' best offensive lineman. And that's, again, you look at the hole, it's not saying much, but he was showing that aggression. He was executing blocks. Yet it is all about who practices the best during, throughout the course of the week, Sean, that will eventually get practice? you into the starter role. Exactly. We're talking practice. about practice but, here, man. 
Not I the mean, game. to me, there's more to it. And, you know, my guy, everybody knows Cap's my guy, so I'm always going to have his back. He's not always right, and, you know, not <laughs> all his sources are always right. But at the same time, you know, his report at the beginning of the season caught a lot of heat for it uh, to start training camp, that there's a disconnect between him and the coaches. I'm sorry, if you're getting – you're the most talented offensive lineman by – People that have played the game will say this, and for him to not be a starter, to get benched and be publicly called out in a presser because it's over a Wednesday practice, to me that only adds to the the theory that there is a disconnect between him and the coaches. Oh, yeah. How many first-round talent guys are actually on the Bears right now? There is no reason why Tevin Jenkins should not be playing. That guy was rated as a first-round draft pick, a first-round offensive lineman. I understand there's a disconnect between these coaches, but if this is what the coaches are practicing and preaching, hits and who's practicing best on Wednesday, right. I mean, give me a break. Well, I mean, guys guys on Wednesday might be, I don't know, hurt from playing on Sunday. Well, well Nick, uh, Matt Eberflew said he's going to be playing a lot now with Cody Whitehair out. Uh, I, I think they said they're going to move Lucas Patrick to left guard, Mustafa at center, Tevin Jenkins at right guard, correct? Yeah, so because of the injury there, they're going to keep that offensive line that you saw against the Giants as the line moving forward. And again, like we saw how Sam Mustafa played against the Giants, and obviously they're not going to have their best group out there, but at least Tevin Jenkins will finally get that opportunity to stay on the field and not have to come in and out of drives. And obviously like a running back, you get into a rhythm. I would imagine the same as if you're playing offensive line. I know he said before, like it's nice getting a breather every once in a while, but I think, you know, we're past that stage of where you just need a breather every now you're a little bit more conditioned at this point, four weeks into the season, but for Tevin Jenkins, at least he gets an opportunity to be out there with the starting offense consistently with the injury to Cody Whitehair. Yeah. And if he plays, how we all think he probably will just because it seems like he shows up on game day, regardless of what you want to say on Wednesdays, you know, it'll be hard. They'll be hard pressed to take him out of the offensive line group, you know, when guys return healthy. So uh, Nick, uh, we're going to cut you loose. Is there anything else you want to add as far as, you know, anything you're working on in the background or things coming up here for the rest of the week with your coverage? Yeah, so uh, Tuesday's an off day for uh, the Bears, but Wednesday we'll be back at Hallis Hall to kind of get all the answers for all the questions that we're, you know, currently have with this Bears team. Going to ask, a lot, again, more of the defensive players, like how do you get right and get right for a guy like Justin Jefferson without maybe your starting number one corner and Jalen Johnson potentially for another game? Like, again, just kind of seeing what, what the uh, atmosphere is like now two and two but it's a divisional opponent obviously an important game for the bears to potentially you know get back in the and you know the winning streak there but it's not going to be easy so that'll be the focus throughout the week how do you game plan for a guy like justin jefferson one of the best receivers in the league all right nick well we're counting on you to fix the bears <laughs> and if you don't i will riot on the post game show and i will blame you for everything good luck so no pressure just get us a Appreciate win this you guys. week. No excuses. <laughs> Thank you, Nick, for all the time tonight and your insight. Do great work. Nick Moriano, our guy, CHGO Bears, you know, reporter in the in Hallis Hall, on the road, at the Giants game, a miserable Giants game, doing the hard work and the heavy lifting for us at CHGO Bears. So um, can I know, just say this whole Tevin Jenkins thing? Like, just look at it from the perspective as a fan, seeing that he's not playing and he was – you know, a second round pick. He was literally the first pick of 
Or yeah, was he was he yeah. the first pick of that draft? Because yeah. they didn't have a first round pick, if right? Not. Like, I, you just look from the perspective of a fan, the the coaching the coaching staff has to give a better answer than that, in my opinion. Didn't practice, doesn't practice well on Wednesdays. Give me a break, man. Like, well, I mean, basically, we don't like him. That's yeah. like, that's what I heard. When I'd rather said, just hear that, man. Like just <laughs> tell me you don't like him. I, he, then at least I'm like, all right, at least you put your meat on with, the table and told us. He's talented, but we don't like him. <laughs> right. And with like, that, like, that stuff can work if you're winning. You know, you got right. dubs on, you got the, the left column is filling up more than the right column. Hey, at high school shit, man, I'm work, I'm with it. Hits, practicing well on Wednesday, man, awesome. But on Sunday, and the rest of the players know that Tevin's much better than whoever the garbage you're putting out there on right, right. guard. No, no, get Tevin in here. Like that garbage where well, he do don't practice Justin's well on thinking. Wednesday, no, right. that's trash. Get the best man out there. We're about meritocracy. I don't care if he practices well on Wednesday. We got veterans in here who don't practice at all. God damn it. It's about Sunday. So after a while, that high school rah-rah hit mm-hmm. stuff will wear out with these grown-ass men, and they'll be like, no, coach, we're taking over. Your garbage stuff is losing us as a locker room. Tevin Jenkins got to play. I don't care if you like him or not. We ain't got to be friends. Well, and how do you say, like, we're all about winning if you're not playing the best players? Yeah, that, that's what I was no going to say. It's like you're going to talk about how we're not letting Fields do everything. Like, we're not giving him the full opportunity to develop and everything. Well, then why aren't you – like that that kind of doesn't go together with this right. whole Tevin Jenkins thing. Like we see how bad the pass protection is. Maybe you should get a better pass protector. Perhaps yeah, I mean, maybe that guy's on the fucking like, bench. You know, Kyler Gordon, and I got all the the faith in the world that he's gonna end up being a good DB. I mean, it took Kyle Fuller three years before he figured it out in this mm-hmm. league. But at the same time, how is his practices are looking on Wednesdays if he's getting beat every Sunday? Exactly. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. You should be counting every day, not just Wednesdays. So uh, you know, before we, you know, get to the, the we're rounding home here on CHGO Bears After Dark, but so before we, we baseball thing. Before we mm-hmm. do that, yeah, you like that with <laughs> yeah. our with the baseball crew. You like that? I did it. <laughs> a little pun here for the group. Mm-hmm. Uh but I want to talk a little Shy Town Cornell. And by me, I mean Herb. Herb. Oh, Sean. I'll do it. Or Sean. Uh, yeah, don't okay, worry. Sean. Uh, I, I got to tell you about Chi-Town Cornhole, uh, mainly because, one, we love Chi-Town Cornhole. We love the alliteration. But, again, it's bags, my friend. Uh, if you're playing bags, this is the best provider of bags, boxes. The number one bags box provider for Chicagoland area in Illinois since 2007. What happened in 2007? It was the year after the Bears went to the Super Bowl. You, it's a, It was a landmark moment, right? Wasn't Didn't that Super Bowl happen in 2007? It did. There you go. It, so it was the year 2006 2007 season, but 2007 uh, in, for the in Super February Bowl. when Rex Grossman led you to the promised land. This is when Shy Town Cornhole started up their own dynasty. Uh, their signature box style design can be digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted. And their cornhole boards come with. I see my. I said cornhole boards because my mouth just doesn't want to say cornhole. Their bags boxes comes with built-in drink holders recessed in on the back, LED lights that light up the hole and exterior handles for easy carrying and handcrafted scorekeepers. So if you're going on a picnic, you can easily carry your bags boxes with you and play wherever you want. They're veteran owned and operated and they could ship anywhere 
or you could pick up locally. They're specialized in corporate designs for your company's next marketing or social event, wedding gifts, and gifts for all occasion, especially for tailgaters and backyard barbecues. So when you're out with us on the CHGO tailgate on November 6th, before the Bears-Dolphins game, you'll be seeing our Chi-Town Cornholes. They are fantastic to play on. They got a nice slide. And again, those LED lights, if you're playing at night, uh, come in great and, and are handy. And of and course, you're going to be drinking. Great. I know them. They're pretty yeah. good people. There you go. They slid yeah. real nice. You know, bags were nice. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, Cody what? was good. I was his partner. I sucked. <laughs> well, whoever Check whoever out. set the bags up, the was distance a, the was distance way was too far. Was. I agree. For a day, it was, it was very windy that day. Yeah. And whoever set these up, like, I don't know, we're going for like the long toss record. I had like, to, we're not, we don't need to be here. It's a baseball mound. On a yeah. Sunday. Yeah. 90 feet. It's not like, regulation. First, like, <laughs> first, like, made, seven throws of mine, I didn't even get it to the board. <laughs> yeah. That's a no, problem, that's what I'm friend. saying. The games took forever. So, we, I'm gonna make sure I oh. I do the distance okay, here. Brad, I don't know who did he's it. Gonna get it. He's gonna I'm not gonna it call. Out. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I'm a team <laughs> player, but I'm doing it next time. I wasn't there, but Chi Town Cornhole is where you can find those great boxes. Yes, that's right. Uh, so yeah, like I said, you know we're wrapping here uh, with CCO Bears. We got really a few more bags. Minutes. I call it bags. Just yeah, it is I think bags. the rest bags. of the world calls it cornhole, but Chicago. Midwest, I've only heard Midwest. Bags, Midwest like people it. call bags. bags. And yeah. I don't care what the rest of the world yeah. calls it because I've, I've, I stay here. You drink yeah. pop. I don't go to the rest of the world. I drink Not pop soda. wearing yeah. my gym shoes, and I play bags, my friend. Yeah. Hey, and I'm still. You eat your Italian beef. Yeah. We, you know, Italian beef's getting popular around the world because of that show. Jardinera shoe. Well, I mean, did you, mm. speaking of it's very Chicago things, but did you see Portillo's and Lou Malnati's are teaming, are having, we shared it on. CHDO Sports, they're going to put Portillo's oh, yeah. ingredients on a, on a Lou Malnati's pizza. Is there anything that's ever been more Chicago, Chicago than mm-hmm. that? Delicious. I'm in. I'm a fan of uh, having having Jardinier on pizza. I didn't know Jardinier wasn't a thing outside of Chicago or Italian families when I went to San Diego and I went to my local subway. I was like looking for the Jardinier. I was like, Jardinier? He's like, <laughs> fuck you talking about <laughs> i was like jardinier you don't have it they're like yeah we got uh what is it banana pepper it's like no heat there no garbage i was like no and my guy who from chicago is like they don't know about jardinier here the stuff you sell with the the it's on your shoes mm-hmm. yeah jardinier on the shoes marconi so marconi, baby. you know uh speaking of things that are as chicago as they come you know i wanted to get your guys's thoughts you know we talk a lot about things from an analytical or perspective however you want to say it when we're covering the bears here but for you guys just as fans what are your thoughts with the bears potentially moving to arlington heights and moving out of chicago you know herb i'll start with you i'm a very big chicago proper guy you know you say you live in or uh, oak park and you say uh, no i live in chicago it's like no you live in oak park say it mm-hmm. love love your city and that has, you know, many different layers, and I won't get into it. But <laughs> the reason why I don't too much mind the Chicago Bears moving to Arlington Heights and Arlington Park is because they can do their own thing. They can build their own park. They can build a stadium that is worthy of Super Bowls, Final Fours, concerts. It could be a showplace for... Yeah, exactly. A showplace for everything year-round. I can't do that in Chicago. There's really no room here, and there's no – you're not going to do it at Soldier Field. What Mayor Lightfoot has for the Soldier Field uh, redesign, if the Bears leave or if they stay, it's trash. It's a straight trash thing. I mean, she's a trash mayor, whatever. 
Sorry, I'm getting political here. But Arlington Heights is a place where the Bears can spend their own money. And I hope they learn from the team that's up there, the L.A. Rams, where you buy your own land. You get private uh, funding for that land. And that's why, how you make money. You don't make money by having a city own that stadium. The Bears don't make as much money as they should have when Ted Phillips got that deal for Soldier Field and renovated that, that building. They're penny-wise and pound-foolish when they did that. Now moving out to Arlington Park, maybe selling the team if the old lady was to pass away, and I don't you know, wish her ill will. They make more money by having a great stadium a franchise team like the Chicago Bears out in Arlington Heights. And I I know people are going to be mad. I mean, you're in Northwest Indiana. It's going to be a longer trek for you. Right. A little longer trek. But I think Arlington Heights is a nice spot for most Bears fans, a centralized location for them to get to with a lot of uh, thoroughfares to get to the ball to get to the ballpark and some trains too. So I think it's a great thing if the Bears build now. They got to build a world-class stadium. They can't go cheap. Five to six billion dollars plus on that stadium, on all the uh, remaining uh, stuff around it too, to make it a great place for people just not only to watch the game, stay around there for a casino, stay around there for something else, for a great restaurant, stay around there as a great hotel. Sure, they can make this thing spectacular, where people they've had a Super Bowl in goddamn Minnesota and Indianapolis, and they were like, oh, it's fine, and New Jersey when they had it outside. Imagine having it in Chicago, an actual real great-ass city with a dome. Man, well, we'll be coming here every 10 years too, and Super like, Bowls. You, you want to hype up George Hallis being you know, one of the Papa Bears and one of the founders of the NFL? Like, a Super Bowl should happen in Chicago, like, period, or at least the sh- Chicagoland area. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I know we don't want to go too political or whatever, but, like, Lori Lightfoot fumbled the bag completely. You can just give them Soldier Field. Give them that property. That property belongs to nobody else. They're not, they're, nothing else needs to happen on those grounds other than Bears football, period. And you fucked up the stadium when you redid it and you yeah. remodeled it. You made it look ugly. Um, that's on them. So I completely understand your concerns of them going out to Arlington Heights and messing it up. Yeah. Um, but again, if we're going to think about it analytically, like it makes all the sense in the world for the Bears to do this. So why would you not call their bluff? Like, if you gave them Soldier Field that right that the park owned, the park district owns, they might stay here because they can just build that in Chicago and they can build it on that land. Like right. that land is important to the Bears and the Bears only. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest issue is as a Chicagoan, I would like to see the Bears stay in Chicago and keep that ground be um, Bears ground. Like that is important to me. Um, but if they move out to Arlington Heights, down Mark Carmen's eyes right now. It's, it he, sucks, he needs man. As many people on his side as he can get, Cody. Listen, man. As the Cubs guy here, it's easier for me to go to Wrigley Field than it is the Soldier Field. Like, and I feel like you could say that if you live in the suburbs, or I mean, unless you live close to the Loop. Like, in my opinion, it's just hard to get there. The yeah. parking sucks. And, like, there's just, like, no easy way to get in. And it's, like, always a bitch and a half to get out, too. Like, again, yeah. it's I like anyone who goes to field more often than it's not. It's like World War Z when, you know, or, or uh, War of the Worlds when the game's over and you have to yeah. pillage oh. from either the bridge across yeah. the tracks or going underneath and I'm the sure, Millennia Park. I'm sure there will be some sort of that in Arlington Heights, but, like, maybe, like, hopefully not nearly as bad. Again, well, 
I just think I, getting 80,000 people out of anywhere is going to cause problems. For sure. Yeah. Multiple exits, though. But, like, the different. thing is, is like, the, 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 came to the, the town hall. The red we line. talked road <laughs> infrastructure. It was awesome. Nice. The, the red line being right by Wrigley Field and even, even Sox Park. Like, it's so convenient for so many people to where they don't even have to drive. Like, with this thing in Arlington Heights, there's going to have that option, right? Or maybe there won't be as nearly as many cars. Like, I don't know. Right. To me, like, so that's all I want is I just want to be able to get to the place easy. That's all I want. All I'm hearing <laughs> from Cody is that Lloyd Lightfoot, to keep the Bears in Chicago, needed to, A, give up the plot of land that the Bears currently are on and get him a train line. Yeah. Two, t- two things. is That's all Cody's I, asking I for. really don't care where it's at. I just want to be able to get to Soldier right. Field easier. And like, that's all. That's my, always service. been my thing. Yes, yeah, I would go. do that. I mean, there's, there's to the maybe not in December. Bears yacht. <laughs> maybe you get drunk on the way there, so you can maybe you can not in December. Numb the pain of like, losing to the Giants, <laughs> right? Like, I just want an easier way to get to Soldier Field, and it's like everyone enters the same way, and obviously there's a shit ton of people. Doesn't matter how matter how good or bad the team is, everyone is going, and I get it. Like, it's the number one team in the city, but like that, like that's always been the biggest thing. It's like it, it is a process to just go, man. I, I, I got free tickets last year from a buddy, and I didn't even get in until midway through the first quarter because it was such a bitch and a half yeah, getting they don't in. They have enough entrances. Yeah, and, I, and, it, and it was one of those days where I worked till 5. The game, they played a Monday night football against the Vikings. The game's at, what, 7.20, whatever? Yeah. Like, the, just like, and I didn't want to drive because, like, you know how it is. Like, it's, it's a bitch and a half. So, of course, I take the red line all the way down, walk, like, 20 minutes, whatever. And, like, by the time I'm getting in there and with, like, all the – the people, it's like, and with just everything, it's 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 such a process. So, like, go to Arlington Heights, make that better. If you want to stay in Chicago, just give me different ways to get in and out. And think about this. <laughs> We're watching the game versus the San Francisco Giants and the L.A. Rams, both of those teams. San Francisco plays in Santa Clara. It's yep. far as hell away. Great, great. The great L.A. Team. Rams play in Inglewood, not in L.A. It's L.A. County. It's close. Same thing with Dallas Cowboys. Same thing with New York Giants and Jets. So I know people are like, oh, we're not going to play in Chicago proper. Good teams don't. They go out to the suburbs and build their stadiums and make their money correctly and have Super Bowls. Imagine having a bowl game here in January for the national championship for the for the national champions or February. I know it's going to be snowing, but if you build a nice-ass stadium, they'll come here in Chicago. Yeah. And, I mean, they did the Super Bowl in Detroit. Come on now. Yeah. And Minnesota. Or in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm with you guys. I mean, there people say, well, there's no space. Well, if you look at the blueprints they built up for the Olympic Village at Soldier Field, there is a way. Yep. Right. But like you said, the biggest obstacle is they won't give ownership of the built the stadium to the Bears, which is the biggest linchpin in the whole discussion. Chicago has reversed its river. Chicago has built water cribs out to Lake Michigan to get fresh drinking water. I don't think getting a little train line out to Soldier Field would be that big of a, an engineering, yeah. you know, you know, uh, hurdle for for Chicago. Like I don't know. Yeah, we have pretty decent engineers from Chicago. Like they, they can figure it out. What's more like, important to Chicago than the Bears? Nothing. Right. So, Nothing. I mean, like, like it literally th- doesn't matter how good or bad they are. We hit 20,000 <laughs> subscribers on this YouTube channel, and thank you all for doing that. Make sure you like and subscribe. But it wouldn't be that Anywhere. high if it wasn't for the Bears. Yeah, I mean, right. like, you can consistently see the numbers on the Bears channel. You get so much support just because it's 
all of the Chicagoland area supporting one team. And it's not spread apart between the Sox and, and the Cubs. And even though you have like bad teams and, you know, on the South side and North side this year, uh, baseball wise, like you still have your diehards. Like there's so many diehards for the NFL. There's so many diehards for the bears. And the fact that you just can't, I, I mean, uh, where am I going with this? No, I know just what you're saying. Fan, it's like the Bears. I, mean, I totally lost my the train of thought. The Bears are the team. That's what you're saying. <laughs> right, the Bears, but the Bears are the, the Bears are what everything yeah. means to Chicago. So like, I think yeah. the fact that the Lori Lightfoot wouldn't be able to see that and just make that sacrifice, Hell, I think that get, she's doing a disservice to the people of Chicago. You get reelected if you keep the Bears in Chicago right. and build them a whole stadium, even how how poorly she's done in her tenure. Yeah, I mean the Cubs are pretty popular across the whole country because of WGN. But what I learned going to London for the Bears Raiders game a f- couple years ago. The Bears are worldwide, and yep. I, I, I guess I never really, I always knew Michael Jordan was worldwide, but I didn't realize just how far the Bears reached, you know, across the globe because of obviously the '85 Bears, one Super Bowl, right? One and Super Bowl win. You hear That's that it. from yeah. a lot of fans from Mexico, Germany, London, you know, or England, I should say that London's not a country, but regardless, <laughs> all these people from these countries came to that game and were telling me their how how passionate they are about the team just as passionate as i am and some of them like in germany my buddy nick he's waking up at like 2 a.m to watch the game you know so they're all coming in Mm -hmm. at least once a year to see a game not just the people of you know chicago so it is an ideal situation in arlington park park the way they have it set up i'm a chicago guy too like i wanted to stay in chicago but realistically it just makes the most sense for the Bears and for the fans to go out to Arlington. And I certainly wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that before we go. So, you know, great show tonight. I appreciate you guys helping me, you know, carry this. You know, my, our buddy Will DeWitt, you know, who does a lot of hard work here for CHGO Bears, writing articles and covering this team. You know, he's had some internet issues at his house, so, you know, he wasn't able to be a part of the show tonight. But he will be back. He's got shows later this week that he'll be on with Nick and everybody else and, and popping in and doing his thing. And then obviously me and Nick will be, or me and Will will be back next Monday for CHGO bears after dark. So I look forward to that because I need will. I can't do this by myself, bud. Uh, but uh, I appreciate you guys helping me carry the load. No problem. Thanks uh, for having, having some fun. Yeah, of course, yeah. you know, tried to keep it loose. Jeff Wilson scored a touchdown earlier while Nick was on. I almost came out of my seat because I need Jeff Wilson and Cooper cup to get me like 52 points in fantasy. <laughs> so that's what I'm tuned into uh, now. Monday so struggle. Make yeah. sure you tune in to all the CHGO sports shows here going on tomorrow and the rest of the week. CHGO Bears at noon tomorrow with Adam Hogue and Mark Carmen and everybody else. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Everybody in the chat, appreciate you guys tuning in tonight as always. And we'll be back. Bear down.